Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Bailey Merzik, also with the Department of Communication. Today, we're going to discuss disparities in the populations that receive the pediatric flu vaccine and what all of us can do to address those issues. Now, before we get into that conversation, be sure you get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed, including last week's show on recovery from substance use disorder. You can find the episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New shows can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. And on that note, let's start today's important discussion. First, can we have our guests introduce yourselves and explain what role you play at Michigan Medicine? Hi, um, my name is Layla, Dr. Mohammed. I am a general pediatrician. I work through the Ypsilanti Health Center, Michigan Medicine. Hi there, good morning. I'm Okiyama Mejay. I am a faculty in obstetrics and gynecology and also um, the Associate Chief Clinical Officer for Health Equity. And I'm working with an esteemed group of colleagues to help address um, providing the flu vaccine and making sure it's accessible and um, easily received by our patients that we serve at Michigan Medicine and throughout the Washtenaw County community. Morning, everyone. My name is Dr. Steve Park. I also am a general pediatrician alongside Dr. Muhammad, uh, but I also serve as medical director for the Regional Alliance for Healthy Schools. Some of you may have heard of us as RAS. We're a school-based health network program of Michigan Medicine across Washington uh, and Genesee counties. Outstanding. Now, Dr. Major, you quickly, um, you know, had mentioned an initiative going on here at Michigan Medicine about flu vaccine disparities. Can you explain that initiative and why it's so important? Yes, so uh, the flu vaccine disparity initiative is one of the targeted initiatives for the health system. We set out um, in our strategic priorities and initiatives to address a health system disparity that we have identified. And one of the ones that came to the fore in the pediatric patient population was the disparity in influenza vaccine uptake. We know that there's approximately a 14% disparity between the patients identifying as black and those identifying as white with the uptake of the flu vaccine in our last flu season. And so this is a big issue for us. And we um, have just, uh, focused a lot of health system resources and support um, to ensure that we're able to close this gap um, to ensure that everyone has the ability to obtain the flu vaccine when they, if they want it and support um, with education amongst our staff members as well as the patients and families we serve in order for them to be able to receive the vaccine um, through Michigan Medicine or our community partners. Okay, so what are, what are some ways in which providers can encourage um, those who haven't gotten the flu vaccine to get it? The disparity was identified in um, a few of our primary care sites in general pediatrics. So we're focusing on those sites specifically, um, Northville, Canton, and Ypsilanti Health Center. Um, so I have a specific interest in this, and I think providers can do quite a bit. Uh, the biggest one is talk to your patients. I think anyone who has an opportunity to connect with um, a patient, um, whether a child or an adult, um, talk about the whole idea of the benefit of the flu vaccine, 
and how it can make this big monster infection into a tiny little thing that um, maybe just a cold a uh, few symptoms. So we're hoping that that's what the flu vaccine can do for all of us. Um, any opportunity, any point of care that you have with your patient, go for it. Um, so I think that's the biggest because the predictor for getting a vaccine tends to be that a healthcare provider talks to their patient. They trust their uh, healthcare provider. And that is the biggest predictor for getting the vaccination. Yeah, I would add on to that, that uh, Layla and I in our practices, you know, we have a whole list of recommended pediatric vaccines that we're giving our patients on a regular basis. For some reason, influenza vaccine is pulled out by the public as being an optional vaccination that's not really part of that recommended series. And I think it's important for us as providers to kind of make it a normative practice for families to include flu vaccine on an annual basis as being just as important, just as necessary as those vaccines that are already required for school-based entry. So can we expand upon that real quick? Um, you know, we have a, a medium here where we can possibly reach patients or we can reach faculty, staff, employees at Michigan Medicine. Can the three of you just sort of explain real quick, what are the benefits of the flu vaccine? Why should you get it um, you know, just in your day-to-day -day life. Flu vaccine uh, and COVID vaccine, if we put them together, uh, you know, what we've learned from experience is that these vaccines don't 100% prevent getting these infections. What they do, it very importantly, to reduce both mortality, death caused by uh, complications associated with influenza uh, or COVID, um, but they also significantly reduce morbidity, meaning how sick you get, how long you're out of work, how long your child's out of school or unable to go to daycare, all those sorts of things that affect our lives more broadly than just the illness itself. And so we can guarantee our patients that whereas they may still get the flu, they're going to get a much more mild case of the flu that's much easier to, to get through and to, uh, to, to get past. I'm going to add one more thing is a lot of people are afraid of the flu quote unquote shot. Um, so it's injectable per se. Lots of kids don't like injections um, and parents may their way from, um, you know, in hurting their kids and, and hearing them cry. I totally understand that. Um, so the flu vaccine does come in a couple of, um, uh, I guess, ways that you can use the vaccine uh, between ages six months and up to as old as you get, you can get an injectable vaccine. Uh, two years and above and for healthy kids, you can get um, nasal spray. So in that context, um, there, there are options just in case parents feel in one way or another that they want to um, give an option for their children not to get an injection after that age. I'd like to add, I know my esteemed colleagues here in pediatrics um, have weighed in. I'd like to weigh in from the obstetrics perspective, being that, you know, in taking care of women who are individuals who are pregnant, um, we encourage them also to get the flu vaccine during pregnancy, especially because you can get 
boost up your immunity and also not only pass um, immunity across the placenta to the developing um, fetus, but then also if that individual decides to breast or chest feed, they're also passing immunity to the newborn, um, which is very protective because we know, as Dr. Mohammed and Dr. Park have mentioned, you can't... Um, start giving the flu vaccine to infants until they're six months of age. So there's a period of time where they may be exposed because, you know, they're too young and they have not been able to be vaccinated. So we can help support them from an obstetrics standpoint. And for all of our general primary care providers or even specialists across the health system and their staff members, you can encourage um, your patients or let them know we have the flu vaccine or ask them questions about their interest in getting the flu vaccine because we know, especially again, if we're talking about very young children who aren't eligible to get the flu vaccine or those who make the decision possibly not to get the flu vaccine, that at least the more people who are vaccinated, there's this phenomenon called herd immunity. So you get more people in the community or in your household who are vaccinated. You kind of get some secondary benefit in helping others who are around you not acquire infection or get a severe form of infection. So when you um, get the flu vaccine, it's not solely just for your well-being, it's for the well-being of others around you in your household, your loved ones, your friends, and then you can even extend that out to the greater community at large. I love that. So now we know why to get the flu vaccine. What can people do to support the effort to fight flu vaccine disparities? Accessibility, I think, is the biggest one, is make it available. Make it available everywhere. Um, provide it in every opportunity possible. And, um, you know, provide the right education, uh, especially in the point of care. Uh, setting point of care setting is the time that you meet your patient, the time that you can discuss this in more detail. I think that is a great opportunity to provide the vaccine and education at the same time. I'm sure this will um, this will translate in the work group effort uh, that um, we are trying to do uh, over time. But the idea at the end is have it available at every point possible for patient care during the season of influenza. And I think to build on that, one of the important things that Dr. Meiji and her group are doing in this endeavor, this outreach, is to really partner with community agencies, both extensions of Michigan Medicine, like my program, but also with other community partners that are seeing patients and have access point of contact opportunities to immunize these children. Um, we in our school-based health program have ready access to the, this age group in that they're in school and that with the consent of their parent can come down even during their school day uh, to receive this vaccination. So an extremely important strategy towards increasing access to vaccination is to think broadly about finding these patients where they're at in their communities and through media that they trust, that they know already. Yeah, I'd like to add to that. So from a health system perspective, what we're trying to do to help close the gap is definitely shore up and improve our operational plans and infrastructure to support um, widespread vaccine availability and access. And so we have the Michigan Medicine Mass Vaccination Clinics that are operating at all of our ambulatory care sites, um, not only for pediatric patients, but also for our adult patient population. Um, we have a specialized nursing group who's going 
out to support um, staffing at those locations and we have expanded hours. So there's some locations have evening hours, some locations have Saturday hours. And then as Dr. Mohammed and Dr. Park mentioned, you can get it also at the time of care when you present to the office for any other issue, whether it be a well visit or a problem-based visit, you can still inquire and or be offered the flu vaccine at that time. Um, the other thing that we are definitely doing, as I've, Dr. Park alluded to, working with our community partners to meet people where they are. So if you are a child who's receiving um, you know, care or going to school at one of the partnering um, regional alliance for healthy school sites, you can get um, the vaccine there. And also know that your local public health department is a place where you can get the vaccine. Um, you can call, make an appointment to come in, and often they do accept walk-ins. Um, you can go to your local community pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Costco Pharmacy, uh, Walmart, et cetera. They all have vaccinations. And so we want people to be aware that it could just be a few blocks away from your home that you can be able to walk in and or schedule an appointment to get your vaccine. The goal is to get people vaccinated. And so you do it where you can, when you can, and how you can. And that's really important so that we're all in this together to fight the flu. Yes, you started to answer the next question, which was, where are some places that people can get the flu vaccine? So does anyone have anything else to add or um, just to add to the end of this discussion, anything about this initiative? I think the biggest uh, place that you can go is to your doctor's office. That's the big one. Um, however, some people don't have insurance um, and you have to consider that um, there are opportunities for everyone to get the vaccine. The health departments do provide the vaccine if you are not insured. Um, and this is uh, per se free. Um, I believe the health departments in our area are now providing flu vaccine for all um, age groups. Uh, you may have to schedule an appointment, uh, just uh, um, set either at your um, at your local health department website or phone number uh, to schedule an appointment. Um, I think that's probably uh, the two biggest places that you can get your vaccination. However, you can get at certain ages uh, vaccinations at your pharmacy. And uh, I uh, um, want to make sure that uh, you, you have uh, some knowledge that it's age three and above uh, so that you can identify uh, with your primary care provider or health department if you have a child less than age three to get their vaccinations there. That's a great point that Dr. Mohammed raised, just being aware that there are some limitations sometimes based on age. And that's why at Michigan Medicine, we're really focusing and trying to support families that have children under the age of three, because we know it can be a little bit more of a challenge and a few extra steps for you to be able to get your vaccine um, at a community pharmacy. So just be very mindful of that. And so we are um, prioritizing that patient population, those under the age of three. And also you have the opportunity if there are multiple children in your family, as well as adults, that we are supporting um, family-based appointments. So you can come in as a family at any of the Michigan, well, not all, just be very mindful of what's referenced on the webpage. There's one site that's adult only, but you can schedule um, an appointment um, for your family if you have multiple children. So 
we are supporting that too, because we know that there may be multiple children in the household. Um, and some of you may actually be getting phone calls in the next few weeks to help arrange um, you getting uh, an appointment um, for a vaccine um, vac visit if you have not already scheduled that. And always remember, you can still partner and go to the Regional Alliance Healthy Schools and make an appointment or call um, to get a vaccine there at those sites across uh, Washtenaw County. Um, I would like to go back, if I can, just to mention that um, I think in the prior question, we were asked about um, how can staff help support um, individuals getting the vaccine. I think it's really important that when we do um, talk to patients and families about getting the vaccine, that it, we don't come with any judgment or preconceived notions about individuals, that we really meet them where they, they are and use some of those motivational interviewing skills that you know we, we, we're learning about how to ask some very sensitive but probing questions about what you know what why is it that you feel that way if you don't mind sharing how can we better help and support you are there questions or concerns that you have about the vaccine that i could be able to talk to you about and maybe sometimes it may not be that they decide at that particular moment to take the vaccine but they may in the next few weeks or later you know, schedule an appointment on their own to get the vaccine. And so just having those conversations kind of start individuals thinking about things and start understanding maybe what the benefits are to them and dispel some um, you know, myths that they may have about the vaccine. So I think that's an opportunity for staff to really um, support um, the patients and families that we serve. I think that's such an important point, Dr. Meje, that um, especially for our families that are uh, not receiving this vaccine due to either access issues or sometimes just not understanding fully why we recommend this and have made, being made comfortable to ask questions so that they can assent, decide to receive this vaccine um, with knowledge and with, with uh, clarity in what they're doing for their child. That's a, such an important point. Yeah, I love that. And I love the non-judgmental, right? If some family may have never gotten the flu vaccine before, don't chastise them for it. If they're there to get it now, they are making a, an effort, right, to help themselves and to help the community. And that's the important thing. Thank you so much to the three of you. This is such an important conversation and I think a really insightful one too. So I really appreciate you taking the time out today uh, to, to discuss this. If you want to learn more about flu vaccines, why they're so important and what we're doing to help limit the disparities, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. For over a century, Michigan Medicine has been on a mission to bring Michigan answers to patients and families across Michigan and beyond. It's why University of Michigan Health is honored to have been named Michigan's number one hospital once again by U.S. News & World Report and to have been named year after year to the prestigious honor roll of the nation's top hospitals. If you need a Michigan answer in your life, think Michigan Medicine and visit michigananswers.com. Let's try. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do great. All right. The first question, what made you decide to become a doctor? Oh, um, I love kids. I love kids. I love holding babies. I love cuckooing them, talking in their words and language. Um, so yes, that was the biggest thing that made me choose pediatrics. And if you weren't a doctor, what career would you likely be pursuing? Oh, it would be a volunteer career. <laughs> I love volunteering. 
probably with babies, right? And kids? Wherever there is a baby clinic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, this week, of course, was Halloween. So we need to ask, what is your favorite kind of candy? <laughs> um, yeah, no, no brands, um, but I love chocolate, um, yeah, especially with raspberry or strawberry in it, but yeah, chocolate. Right. <laughs> uh, tell my dentist uh, that. <laughs> we'll keep that hidden on this podcast. Just don't send this podcast to your dentist to listen. Yeah. Just recommend brushing teeth twice a day. There you go. I'm lost. <laughs> and finally, if you could meet one person from history, who would it be and why? Oh, Gandhi. Peace. Love it. Yes. No, go ahead. Tell us why. No, it's it's just peaceful demonstration. That's yep. that is what I love from Gandhi. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being a good sport today with the lightning round. And thank you to all of our guests for giving insight into the important vaccine disparities that we discussed today and the role we all can play in helping solve that problem. Okay, Dan. So we asked Dr. Mohammed her favorite candy. Do you have one? All right, I do. And I'm actually going to name some brands because maybe I'll make some money <laughs> off of this. Um, I do love Snickers. I'm going to just throw that out there. And I'm like a junior mints guy. Like if I go to, you know, a, a movie or anything like that, I'm getting the junior mints. Um, I feel like that's like an old fashioned candy. So maybe that makes me old at heart. But that's definitely what, what I'm going for. What about you, Bailey? Um, anything dark chocolate, Dove dark chocolate is probably my favorite thing ever. Um, See, after yeah, every meal, dark chocolate. Yeah. After every meal, huh? <laughs> wow. My I wife would Reese's... say the same thing. I... Yeah, no, my wife would say the same thing. And the best thing is I hate dark chocolate. So she can have it all around the house and she doesn't have to worry about me stealing it. Dr. Major, were you going to let us know yours? I Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. And I, I, um, I, will, I always tell people this. I love peanut butter so much that if I had a peanut allergy, I would have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it would and have been so, worth it, right? Yeah. It would have been worth it. And so when I was pregnant with my son, I would just be like, please let him not be alert to nuts. Please. And that literally, that's all I would say all the time. He's not. Because I was like, I don't think I could survive having a child with a nut allergy. I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to make it. That's the one thing you wanted for him was not to be allergic <laughs> to nuts. <laughs> Do you have like a jar of peanut butter at your desk that you like eat out of? No, I don't. And I I don't buy peanut butter can based candy because it won't last long and I will have a major health problem. So I, I usually take it from other people's jars or buy small amounts of it. <laughs> all right. Well, now we've heard Dr. Mohammed and Dr. Majay. So Dr. Park, what is your favorite candy? You know, it's all apples and broccoli for me. <laughs> That's it. You refuse to go for the sweets. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to all of our guests for joining us. And thank you, as always, to our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.